Just a word before this sermon podcast begins, the final sermon podcast for 2020, which means the year end is almost upon us. If you'd still like to make a year end donation, you can do that through our website. Go to stbenedictstable.ca and in the upper right corner there is a donate button information as to how to do that through Canada Helps. Or if you are in Canada, you can also do it by e-transfer. Any support you can offer at this time of the year is most appreciated. At the end of the sermon, we've also included a recording of a song, A Stable Lamp is Lighted, taken from Richard Wilbur's poem, A Christmas Hymn, which I read in the context of my sermon. This recording is from Steve Bell, from his album A Feast of Seasons from 1995. In the show notes, you'll find a link to information on that album, as well as Steve's other album for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, Keening for the Dawn. We're grateful to Steve and to Signpost for giving us permission to offer this song in this podcast. You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Again, Merry Christmas, everybody, on this, the first Sunday in Christmastide. Tonight, we read a kind of nativity story from the Gospel according to John, one very different from what was proclaimed on Christmas Eve from the Gospel according to Luke, and equally different from the story we'll read next Sunday from the Gospel according to Matthew. Both Luke and Matthew give us very linear stories. They're narratives that sing with familiarity. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. The time came for Mary to deliver her child. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. From Matthew, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Pictures spring to mind when we hear those words, Whether we see classic paintings of the scenes, or maybe the crash that we have set out in our own homes, or even those old-fashioned Sunday school pageants, all tinsel wings, fake beards, and bathrobes. John's kind of nativity story doesn't evoke any such things. Because, as is so typical of the gospel according to John, he chooses to focus his camera differently. 
There's an old saying about John that his gospel is like a pool that's safe for a child to paddle in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Which is another way of saying that if you read John just once, you'll have a good sense of the Jesus he wants to tell you about. But read John a hundred times, and you'll keep stumbling across something new. As the poet Emily Dickinson famously wrote, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Which is what John is doing here in his nativity story. The prologue to his telling of the gospel, he's telling it slant. En arche en halagos. In the beginning was the word, John proclaims as he begins the prologue. En arche, in the beginning, which is precisely the way the book of Genesis begins. In the Greek Septuagint version, which was the most commonly read version in Jesus' times, the first two words of Genesis are identical to the first two in John. Enarche. No first century Jewish reader or listener would fail to see that, to hear that. John is aligning his poetic prologue with the poetry of the first creation story in Genesis, and he wants that noticed. In fact, in the view of N.T. Wright, John wants us to hear the parallels between the whole of his gospel story and that six-day creation narrative. Genesis 1, comments Bishop Wright, Genesis 1 declares that the God who made the world is the heaven and earth God, and the working through humans in the world God. The first chapter of Genesis, as you might recall, is a gradual day-by-day-by-day build toward the creation of humans who are in the image of God and entrusted with a role of profound responsibility for the good creation. And so Bishop Wright continues, With this vision of Genesis before us, we understand both the beginning and the climax of John's Gospel. In the beginning, an arche bereshith, that's Hebrew. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And in the end, on what Wright calls the ultimate sixth day, when the light has shone in the gathering darkness, and the darkness has tried to extinguish it, the final word in John echoes Genesis once more. Tetelestai, it is finished. It is accomplished. The work is accomplished. And there follows the rest of the seventh day, the rest in the tomb. Before the first day of the new week when Mary Magdalene comes to the garden and discovers that the new creation has begun, John is writing a new Genesis. 
John is writing a new Genesis, says Bishop Wright, and he packs into this prologue, this slant-told nativity story, several of the essentials of his theological and poetic vision. In proclaiming that from the very beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God, that all things come into being through him and that without him not one thing came into being, John is pushing us into a sophisticated theology of Jesus Christ that will eventually crystallize in the doctrine of the Trinity. The Christ didn't just happen into the world in 4 BCE in Bethlehem when Jesus was born, but rather has been from the very beginning. What happens in Bethlehem is that the Word became flesh and lived among us. It is the birth in time of the timeless Son of God. It is God with us. Or, in the paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, in his translation, The Message, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Yet John knows that when the Word moved into the neighborhood, not everyone was happy about it, which is why Jesus ended up arrested, tried in mock courts of both the temple authorities and the empire, and then executed as a political criminal. But, John says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of humankind, but of God which is something so clearly echoed in our short reading tonight from Paul's letter to the Galatians. And Paul writes, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. Because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba! Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. That's what Paul and John both most need to tell us in this Christmas season. A Christmas season that has been marked by so much heaviness and loss and disappointment and grief. That because of the birth of the Christ, because the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, we have been adopted as daughters and sons of God and named as brothers and sisters of Jesus. With spirit-infused hearts, we can cry out to God just as children cry out to a parent, Abba. We can, we should, we must do that especially on the hardest days, in the loneliest seasons, and on the longest nights. You see, Christmas tide doesn't merely mark the birth of Jesus, it celebrates the rebirth of us all. And it insistently points beyond our own day to the horizon of all of time and history. 
When the recreation of the heavens and the earth, the new creation to which John's new genesis ultimately points, is brought about in its fullness. And I can think of no better way to bring that all into focus and to close this sermon than to read you a poem by Richard Wilbur called A Christmas Hymn. The words will be familiar to some of you as it appears on Steve Bell's album, A Feast of Seasons, and we've sung it here a few times over the years. Like the prologue to the Gospel according to John, Richard Wilbur's poem points well beyond Bethlehem to the very recreation of all things. A stable lamp is lighted, whose glow shall wake the sky. The stars shall bend their voices, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry, and straw like gold shall shine. A barn shall harbor heaven, a stall become a shrine. This child through David's city shall ride in triumph by. The palm shall strew its branches, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry, though heavy, dull, and dumb, and lie within the roadway to pave his kingdom come. Yet he shall be forsaken and yielded up to die. The sky shall groan and darken, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry for stony hearts of men, God's blood upon the spearhead. God's love refused again. But now, as at the ending, the low is lifted high, the stars shall bend their voices, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry in praises of the child by whose descent among us the worlds are reconciled. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A stable lamp is lighted Whose glow shall wake the sky The stars will bend their voices And every storm shall cry And every stone shall cry And straw like gold will shine A barn will harbor hell A star become a shrine This child through David's city Will ride and triumph by The palm And every stone shall cry, though heavy, dull, and dumb, and lie within the roadway to pave the kingdom come. Yet he will be for.
forsaken and yielded up to die. The sky will groan and darken, and every stone shall cry, and every stone shall cry for stony hearts of men. God's blood upon the spearhead. God's love refused again. But now, as at the ending, the low is lifted high. The stars will bend their voices, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry in praises of the child by whom. Descent among us, the worlds are This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.